Welcome to the Jew and Gentile Podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? Chris, it's past my bedtime. It is way past your it's, bedtime. It's past my bedtime, but I'm doing okay. Hey, Steve, we've got a live audience, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. There we go. We are in the great They're state rough of crowd, Florida. Chris. They're a rough crowd. I just spoke. And I gave him the best I could, and there was barely a whimper. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to work on your jokes, okay? Uh, my jokes were terrible. That is terrible. Well, listen, hold on a minute, everybody. Here we go. Welcome in, welcome in. That's right, we have a live audience. We are actually at our Proclaim conference for our listeners here in Tampa, Florida, the great state of Florida. And uh, we are having a fantastic time Talking about, Steve, the world on edge. Or, as you like to say... Living on the edge. Living on the edge. We are living on the edge. And I think this will be great as we touch on Daniel chapter 3 in a moment. Because I think Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... Did I say that right, Alice? Abednego? Uh, Shadmach... Oh, Sh- Alice did not like the way we said... We said Abednego. Wait, the, when we said it in the last podcast? Not the last one. That's why she corrected me. Oh, okay. That's her, she's Alice Herzig is a proofreader. Anybody here a proofreader? You drive down the expressway and you see a, a, a one of those billboards and you see a, something misspelled. It drives you crazy. That's for my wife. I speak at a church. You get a bulletin. She's saying they got a mistake here. There's no comma there. They should have capitalized here. Who cares? <laughs> as long as you know when the when. When the ladies have their Bible study and when you're supposed to have your potluck, what difference does it make if... Oh, yeah, yeah, not for her. I drive well, her crazy. Well, a bed to go. A bed to a, a to go. Okay, so we are going to be talking about them because they were living on the edge. And I'm uh, actually... Really living on the edge. And we're going to see some similarities here. But Steve, I'd like to... If, if you are a regular Jew and Gentile listener, then we Which have, nobody here is except for two people. That's right. And I want to highlight our, <laughs> our two people because we have our special friends who come in and tell us we are the people that uh, fall asleep listening to this podcast. Would y'all come up for a minute? Please come up. Please come up. As they come up, that's right. Give them a round of applause. You got to give them a round of applause. Who who would listen to us before you go to sleep? I had to meet these people. It's unbelievable. Come, uh, just uh, tell everybody who you are, and I would love to know why you even listen to the Jew and Gentile podcast. Go ahead and sit down, and then we have a gift. Then we have a gift for you yes, as well. Yes, we do have a gift for you. <laughs> All right, sit right near the. You got to kiss the mic. There the you mic. go. Okay. I'm Gene Martinson. This is my wife. And we're from Apollo Beach. Move it, move it. Oh, cl- you got to oh. go closer, not further away, closer. <laughs> not used to this public speaking stuff. <laughs> I'm interested, Jim, why are you, I mean, you listen to the Jew and Gentile. Number one, how did you find out about the Jew and Gentile podcast? I, I'm dying to know. We learned about it from our friend Barbara Tyler, who's here. Oh, and so she, there, another one. So you three. did know about we it. Three. <laughs> Chris, we're up to three. That's from what I'm talking from about. From, All right. from Apollo Beach, Florida. And uh, I start, didn't start listening right away or watching. We watch you on YouTube. Okay, it's, it's great. And I didn't start right away, so I had to backtrack and, um, what do you call that? Um, we binged watch. Binged. Oh, we, binged we were binge watched. Nice. <laughs> Take a seat. Make how, yourself at how, home. How many? How, oh, about the pro, first 65. Well, 
About, yeah. In how long? Oh, about three weeks. Unbelievable. We, we that's like, I heard there's some armies who use that as torture. <laughs> <laughs> and you, we binged you. That's right. We got binged. Fantastic. We got binged. Well, listen, because you're such faithful listeners, we came prepared. We, we did. did. You know, we, I, my dream since we started uh, uh, having the Jew and the Gentile podcast, I told Chris, I said, Chris, we need a mug on a mug. A mug and a mug. I said, yeah, we need our mugs on a mug, and we need, to, we need people to get them so they drink their coffee or their soup or whatever, uh, and then have their our— soup? You could put soup in Oh, okay. It. I never put soup in a coffee mug before. Or tea. Uh, what, are you crazy? I've never done that before. It's fantastic. That's what the bowl is for. No, you don't need the spoon. You did it like oh, this. I've never it's, even heard of that great. before. <laughs> anyway, and this is a 14-ouncer. It's perfect yeah, that's for, a big one. for a can of soup. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway uh, because you fall asleep, we, we have not even uh, gotten rid of these yet. They came to us, and what we're going to do is ask people to donate a minimum of $10. We're giving them away, but we're asking for a $10 donation. We're not uh, asking for that from you, Riff, right now, not okay? For, not not right, now, right now, right now. No, not from you. I'm, in fact, because you listen before you go to sleep, <laughs> take the mug. <laughs> That's take right. The mug take the mug. And you are the only ones that have that mug well, outside of yes. myself. Thank so you. you got a mug on a mug. Tomorrow will be initiated with coffee. There, there you, you go. go. Thank you. Mug on a mug. Give him a hand. Hey, thank you thank so much you. for coming and being a thank part of the you podcast. You're a blessing. Thank you Take very much. Care. Take care. All right. So, uh, listen, we have a great show for you this evening. We have another guest, you know. I know. Okay. Yeah. As long as you know that. We've got a guest, uh, a Jewish believer that you a just met. A Jewish believer. I never met her before, but hey. When you, you see a Jewish it's, believer, it's yeah, kinsmen. That's it, right. That's family. That's it's mishpacha. Mishpacha. That's, that's right. right. So we're going to, uh, we'll have a, another guest on. We're going to be going through Daniel chapter three. And I think it's going to be very applicable, especially for our listeners who cannot be here uh, to be a part of the Proclaim Conference, to really see exactly the heart, I think, of the, of the Proclaim Conference coming out in Daniel chapter three, the world on edge, and what Daniel and his fellow compatriots were going through at that time. Uh, we've got some interesting news, Steve. Oh, we've got some uh, interest that we were talking news, about that but who's earlier. Sponsoring the Jew and the Gentile That's podcast. That's right. Chris. During the conference, I love when you do this. You tell everybody, "I want you to take your phone out." You know, I want you to go ahead and take your phone out and go to foiequip.org. Well, listen, foiequip is your opportunity if you've never heard it before to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective. Which really, Steve, that's really the only perspective you should be learning it from. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> He is the Jew, I am the Gentile. Don't be confused by the beard. But if you go to foiequip.org, there you're going to learn more about ways that you can engage with Friends of Israel. And FOI Equip is what sponsors this crazy podcast. And so uh, FOI Equip is an opportunity for you to stay engaged with Friends of Israel through our biblical teaching. You, it doesn't have to end here at the Proclaim Conference. FOI Equip offers weekly classes during the year that will engage you in the Jewish scriptures. And as Steve said, during the conference, we're going to be looking at Shabbat in October, a two-week course on Shabbat. We're going to be doing an online course on Thanksgiving from the book of Leviticus. And even the significance, the Jewish significance of Bethlehem and Jesus being born 
in Bethlehem in December. And so again, those are all free live online classes that you can participate in, or you can go to YouTube and watch them when they're finished on demand. So that's FOI Equip. And then Steve, I think really quick with this audience, I think this is a great audience. I think they're falling asleep. No, I, I'm trying my best here. Okay. <laughs> I know you are, but it's rough. Okay. It's so, rough Cause it is like, but I will say, I think we, you should share really quick about bridges and our opportunity through Bridges with FOI Equip. Bridges is a nine-week program that was really put together over the course of some 35 years of ministry with Bruce Scott. Uh, I've, been, I've been with Bruce on numerous occasions, and Bruce is very, very detailed, and he takes copious notes. He's, he's just a, an incredible guy. He's married to a Jewish believer himself, loves Israel and the Jewish people, and his burden for years has been uh, young people. He's the one that takes uh, our, uh, did take our people to origins. Our resolve is giving Israel never-ending support, and they volunteer in Israel. Uh, Bruce heads that. But when COVID hit and we began to talk about reaching people online, Bruce put together a nine-week course. It's, as Chris says... Free, 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 free. Thank you. Right on cue. Uh, it's free in every way. Uh, and there are all kinds of ways for you to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to have fellowship with people who come. There's assignments you can do. You obviously can't flunk. It's it's not... A, it's you can't not, flunk a free thing. You can't flunk. Uh, you can put into it as much as you want, uh, and you could grow over a period of time. And what's happened, last year was our first year... We had 85 graduates, Chris. We had 85 graduates. And this year, we're starting Tuesday, our last of this year, nine-week uh, session. We already have 92 graduates, and once uh, we already have 28 registered mm -hmm. for the third one, which means we'll be over 100 graduates this year. And Chris is heading up TICFA team, and I'm going to have him talk about that. The TICFA team is people who have graduated Bridges but want more. They want more. That's how it started. They At the end of Bridges, people said, okay, we did this. Now, what do we do now? And so Chris worked with another colleague of ours establishing the TICFA team. TICFA means hope. And Chris... What's going on with the TICFA team? Yeah, so when you graduate from Bridge, Bridges, which I said, uh, Steve said was free, that's a free training ministry for, in Jewish ministry. It's free training that we want to give to you, nine weeks for free. And once you graduate from that, if the Lord's leading you, you can become a TICFA team volunteer, which means that you can serve Israel and the Jewish people as a volunteer with Friends of Israel right through, uh, right where you live. You don't have to fly anywhere. You don't have to go anywhere. God's called you right where you are to do fantastic ministry. Listen, we're in Tampa. Steve, Tampa is a a great area for doing Jewish ministry, Amazing. connecting the church with the Jewish community. The more volunteers we have, we believe, that's why we call Tikva the hope team. Tikva, as Steve said, means hope. And really, our tagline is small acts, huge hope. We believe that one small act that a person does, if they volunteer for one hour a year, guess what? That one small act with our volunteers that are serving globally will add up to great hope for the gospel of Jesus the Messiah. So if you're interested in those, we have material that you can take home to get involved with bridges and other things with FOI Equip. Well, Chris, we got we to gotta start Daniel. No, we got to get our guest up here. Uh, I, was, I was thinking of our guests after. You're okay, thinking that's before? Fine. Go ahead. Are you okay with that, Aviva, after? Are you all right? You're not falling asleep on us. 
Uh-oh. Okay, she's out. <laughs> she's Aviva's gone. Out. Okay. Well, you might have to go wake her up. But Daniel, Daniel chapter if 3. If you have your Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 3. Are you out there? Let's hear you. Are you out there? All right. They're out there still, Chris. <laughs> Hanging in there. Daniel chapter 3. Living on the edge. Living on the edge. You know, Steve, I was reading through Daniel chapter 3 today to prepare for this. Believe it or not, I did prepare for this podcast. Um, and I was reading through it, and something hit me is that you know, Daniel is, uh, again, uh, a fish out of water, along with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're a fish out of water. They were from Jerusalem. They grew up in the aristocracy of, of Jerusalem. They were well-to-do people. That's why they were carried away in 605 BC, the first deportation that happened when Nebuchadnezzar took the more elite people. Later on in 597 he, BC, he left. He yeah, he left, left me you. behind. Yep, me too. He's taking the Ivy League. He's people. like, you need to stay here, clean the floors, uh, all that's that right, stuff. That's all me. right, you got it. Daniel, come with me. Uh, and, and along with other uh, elites, the aristocracy, the people who were uh, up there in the in the higher class of Jerusalem at that time, would have been carried away by Nebuchadnezzar in 605 BC. 597 was when another deportation happens. Again, elite people um, and and some of the what we would consider middle class. And then by the very end, in 586, he pulls as many people uh, to Babylon as possible. There are uh, there are three deportations that happen. So Daniel's been in Babylon for a while. And yeah, you have to imagine this, you know, Daniel and his, and his, uh, uh, the, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, these three other Jewish people, they are ripped out of the world that they know. Everything about Judaism from the Bible is designed to center around either the tabernacle or the temple. And now the tavern, the temple's going to be destroyed. They are in a land that they don't know. It's not the promised land. And now they are forced to live a life that is Jewish according to the law, but yet in a world, as we've been talking about, a world on edge, and a world that's constantly telling them to abandon it, to assimilate, to become like us. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, tried to do that in, in Daniel chapter one. He tried to do it in Daniel chapter two. And again, he'll try to do it in Daniel chapter three. And it's interesting that all of them kind of point to major concepts that identify a Jewish person. The first one in Daniel chapter one, Steve, was all about Daniel did not want to eat food that was undefiled. That's kosher. That's right. He want he they were going to feed him treif, unclean food. And Daniel, while he was away from his parents, while he was away from the synagogue, while he could have done anything he wanted and felt justified. In fact, he he refused to do it, but he did it in a tactful way. It's an ama- he he didn't like throw it in their face. I'm not going to do this. No, he said, "Hey, let's let's strike a bargain here. We're we're pretty good at that. Yeah. You know, we can strike a bargain. <laughs> such and a deal. It's such a deal. And he he works it out. The the the, the uh, guard uh, worked it out. Hey, if if I look worse, if if my friends look worse, let's talk again. But check us out in ten days. And God honored that. He he was gaining weight. Mm-hmm. He was puffing up a little bit. He was looking pretty good. And the, the thing, though, about being kosher, you know, there are uh, a litany of laws around being kosher. But the big thing here is that kosher, Steve, marks a Jewish person. That it was does. an identifying marker. If he went and ate food that was either made by a Gentile or was trafe, unclean, or unkosher, that means it's it's rubbing against his identity as a Jewish person. That's, that's we eat big different. One. We worship different. We dress different. It marks us out. Even the festivals that we have that we uh, that we just had on uh, 
on our equip course. Uh, those mark us out. There were there were other religious groups that had festivals, convocations, but our centered around a temple. There are other temples, but we didn't have any images in our temple. Our temple was you couldn't see any image. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everything about the Jewish people is different, and uh, we are to be different, which gets us in a lot of trouble. It does, well, it, it's going to get Daniel in trouble again in Big Daniel time. chapter. Or I'm sorry, actually, Daniel's not in this story. It's just nope. Shadrach, Meshach, Why and Abednego. Why don't you start and read for time's sake? Yep. Let's, let's get into so the So it says this, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high, 60 cubits wide, and he set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, na- uh, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come into the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, uh, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officers assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, z- uh, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing fire. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, the nations and people of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and, and denounced the Jews. Sound of familiar? They, of course they denounced the <laughs> Sound Jews. Sound familiar. Those no goodness, the <laughs> Jewish people, always, no matter where we are. The, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lither, lyre, harp, pipe, all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But... There are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve you nor your gods, nor worship the image of gold that you had set up. Steve, it's again, always the same story. It is. It, actually, this story is incredibly similar to the story of the book of Esther. A it, certain people. A certain a people. Certain people. The, it, the, the language, the Hebrew is exactly the same. There's certain Jews. There's a certain people in the book of Esther uh, because Judaism, biblical Judaism, demands obedience to the living God no matter what. And the, the, what I was trying to get at is that in Daniel chapter 1, it's about being kosher, keeping the law through being kosher. Well, another major aspect of an identifying factor of a Jewish person is the fact that you don't worship idols. And so again, here, it's, it's targeting. Daniel is picking apart a major identifying factor for Jewish people living in a land that's not in Israel. They're living in a Gentile world as Jewish people. They are now the minority in a majority. And here they are facing... A, Death, Steve. It's not even like, uh, hey, let's yep. get these people out of here. They're facing death because of their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they seem to have a calm about them. I, I'm sure they were scared, uh, but the text, at least as as the way we read the text, it it ultimately goes, hey, whatever you're going to do to us, do to us. All, all we know is we're not going to do this. If God wants to take us, 
He can take us. Yeah, so Nebuchadnezzar calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, goes through that whole thing, and... You see, I like to get to the rest of the story right away. Yeah, I'd say <laughs> just get right to the thing. Get right to the point. But I like, you know what, I like what it says uh, when, when, when the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when, when they confront God, or I mean, when they confront Nebuchadnezzar and they stand up against Nebuchadnezzar, uh, they said this, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not def- need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I love this part though, Steve. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Steve, the reason I love this is because sometimes I think we can get trapped in this framework where we we judge God based on whether or not he's going to deliver us from something. You know, take one from column A, one from column B, one from column... He's a menu. God is you know, right. our menu of things. This isn't the, the, the case for these three Jewish men. They had a good understanding of the sovereignty of God and saying, hey, look, if God is going to deliver us, praise God, but we're not going to worship you even if he doesn't deliver us. We will go into the fire worshiping him because we trust in him. That to me is a, because you know, sometimes people will judge the circumstances that they have in their life based on whether or not God will heal them. God, if, if you're there and you hear me, then you will heal me. And sometimes God heals and sometimes he doesn't. Exactly. Sometimes God saves and sometimes he doesn't. But that shouldn't base our faith and trust in him just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were facing imminent death. And yet they said, even if we don't survive this, we will never bow to your uh, idol or to you. And you know, Chris, in chapter three, uh, very profound, at least for me, because when I first was introduced to the gospel, one of the things I did was look up a, a number of places where today we'd use the, I would use the vernacular, the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, but then it was, I, I wasn't even aware of those kinds of things because from a Jewish point of view, God is not in a human body. God doesn't manifest himself in a human body. It's an abomination to think that way. And yet if you go through the Old Testament text, you find there were instances where the text is really clear that there was manifestations of God in human form. That's right. And this is one of those chapters. This is the one where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the, the fire that is blazing so much that the guards who threw him in were killed Boom. by the heat. Boom, they're gone. They're gone. And so this is when Nebuchadnezzar says, look, they looks in there, the King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. That is amazing. It's a divine being that stands out. And this same type of language will be used later on, Steve, when we get to Daniel chapter 7, and Daniel sees one coming on the clouds of heaven, the Son of Man, uh, who is doing these divine, amazing things. Who is the, the question from a Jewish point of view in our culture today? Who is this person? Who is this individual? Who is this? That is the question, and it's a... It's a struggle. It's a real struggle for the average Jewish person who's raised in a synagogue. They, they, whether they're religious or not, they know the basics of Judaism. 
And if they get an opportunity to actually read the text, it now creates stress. We like stress, Chris. Mm. We like this kind of biblical stress. That's right, we? because the, the what Nebuchadnezzar sees is one that looks like a man among Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says four men. That's right. He says four men. But what these this indiv- one individual is doing is divine compared to the rest. 100%. And 100%. So, and so it says he looked and he saw four men. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace. I, this always makes me laugh. He approaches the furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, Come out of here. Boy, Come out. That was transforming. <laughs> that's right. Boom. That's oh, right. He thought he was God. That's right. And now all of a Instantly. sudden, it's just an like instant that. change. It's pretty cool. And actually, this is the name of the book of the uh, of the commentary that Dr. Rennie Showers wrote on the on Daniel, which is a fantastic commentary. It's called The Most High God, because what's gonna happen is I I don't think Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar is giving up the polytheistic world that he's living in, because clearly he thought he was a god, but at the same time. There was this concept of the of the pantheon of gods. There's one who stands above the rest. And now all of a sudden, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God is shining above even Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar's going to have his issues a little later. We'll, re, we'll talk about that later. But there is a change, to be sure. And this is just an amazing chapter. Well, when they come out, Steve, their bodies aren't harmed. Uh, no hair on they their head was singed. No, I know. No smell. I got, listen, I light a campfire <laughs> and I sit around that thing for five minutes and I come home and I smell like a, like a campfire. Yep. Here are people in the middle of the campfire and they come out smelling, you know, like, like they just roses. took a shower. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. So they come out. They were not scorched. There was no smell on them at all. And Nebuchadnezzar said this, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego should be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. That's right. For no other God can save in this way. Amazing. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's a rough dude. He is. I mean, he's, he's a rough dude. He seems like he lives on the edges of both. You know, he's extreme on both sides. You know, you can never please the guy. You never, know, ne- that's for sure. Okay, that's well, for sure. Steve, here's the big thing about the Old Testament that I love that comes into the New Testament, and it's this: is that God is constantly taking the weak things of the world to manifest His glory, and in doing that, He's going to take these three individuals who are fish out of water, who are standing up for truth. And in doing, by standing up for truth, God's going to shine through them. And what's going to happen? All of a sudden, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be known among the people. But it took these three men to stand up uh, for truth in a world that was on edge. This was a world that they were not familiar with. It was a pagan world. And these three men were able to change the way that Nebuchadnezzar thought because of their faith in God. And they were willing to stand alone. That's really the challenge I get from chapter 3. As they had convictions before all this. They had convictions. Now those convictions were put to the test, and they were willing to stand alone. And Chris, yeah, and, and in our audience as well, uh, we have some seasoned people here who can probably testify to times they had to, they were challenged to stand alone, to go against the grain, to, to swim upstream, lots of different expressions. But we do so... It's interesting, when we do it for the glory of God, you know, one uh, 
person against a whole bunch with God is the majority. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what happened here. Three against the law of, the, of uh, Babylon, against all the soldiers of Babylon, the king of Babylon. And yet, as you said, that through their conviction, through their standing alone, it changed his heart and mind. And you know what else is interesting to me is that when you see what happened in Babylon with these three, uh, all the Jews were called out, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were called out in Babylon. And you'd think, oh, okay, well, it ended in Babylon. Nope, one empire later. We go from, from Babylon to Persia, and we get the book of Esther. When one man stands up and says, look at these Jews, let's get rid of all of them. And you can go down the history of every single empire. You'd think, it, it seems as though they all have a moment where they persecute the Jews, and then they come to some recollection about, oh, that was wrong. Um, but it's funny, Steve, that it keeps repeating itself over and over. It's always that way. It, always that way. That's right. It's a spiritual issue that's connected to no Satan's question. desire to get rid of the Jewish people. But Steve, we've got a guest. We do have a guest. We didn't put her to sleep. We didn't. Come on up, Aviva. Come on, Aviva. I like that name. I love that name. We'll have to ask her about it. It's like, it's like Tel Aviva. You know, there are some folks here who know Friends of Israel real well and come up to me and I started to uh, talk to different people and I uh, Aviva was right in front of me and said, hey, I just want to tell you I'm a Jewish believer. I said, oh, wow, and she's got a great testimony. And so uh, unrehearsed, that's for sure. <laughs> Aviva, put the mic near you and make sure you go near it. You gotta, there you go. You, you, got you sound good. Put your mouth near it when you talk. There you there go. There you go. Sit forward. Okay. Uh, so Aviva, tell us a little bit about yourself. I grew up in a Jewish Christian home, went to church regularly, knew the scriptures quite well, sang the hymns and loved them, and went to Moody because my grandma went to Moody and my mother went to Moody, and it was like the only place I could think of it's going. It's the only it place to go Moody. to. And um, I went for about a year and a half, and I loved the, the experience. It was incredible for me, but and the other same time, I felt like I was struggling. I was not understanding. I wasn't growing, and, and I felt like I was failing, and so I dropped out, and not to dwell on this one, but I joined the military. Wow. That's a big <laughs> a one. A Jewish person outside of Israel who's in the military. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I, I carried the 50-pound pack and, and shot which them. Which branch? Which branch? United States Marine. Oh, oh, Marine. you're serious. Um, you, oh, I'm not messing went, with you. We are not, we are not messing yeah. with you. Yeah. Thank you. Give her Thank a you. hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> So were your parents believers already then? My mother was a believer. My grandparents were the first Jewish believers in our family. Really? How did they yes. come to faith? Do you know that story? I don't remember. They tell me and it doesn't stick into my brain. Yeah. But were they here in the United States? or My were they grandfather came from Germany and wow. my mother was originally, grandmother was originally from Poland, but she was born here in this country. Amazing. And my grandfather got out a few years before the borders were closed. Otherwise wow. I would not be here. Um, amazing. So you yeah. have a you have so, a rich um, history of being a Jewish a believer. So basically, the the gist of it is that you can understand the gospel. You can understand very clearly that you are a sinner that cannot save yourself, mm. and understand um, blood atonement, all those things. But there's something where it says, you know, when you when you believe in your heart, you know, that God raised him from the dead. When mm. you confess with your mouth. And then you believe in your heart. I never got to that place of believing in my heart. And I know that my conversion was 15 years ago because once I came to that place, everything changed. Yeah. 
yeah. all the goals I wanted for myself. Oh, show business or this, that. You know, I wanted to be in ministry. I wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted him to be glorified. And I wanted to, I don't know, it was just my goals and my heart, everything changed. Everything, the way that I thought changed. And what happened is that several years ago, I was dealing with infertility and God gave me a dream. And in the dream, he said, at that time, my name was Sarah. And my grandmother, who was a believer and very powerful believer, but a very gentle, ladylike person, but inside that lioness, she said to me, Sarah, you're pregnant, and you're going to have a girl, and you will call her Aviva. And then the dream ended, and I was dreaming for the first time at that point in black and white. I've always dreamt of color. I dre that dream was in black and white. I was in this marketplace holding this piece of, piece of cloth, like a bright orangey red piece of cloth with gold threads. And then instantly I was in black and white in this sort of like office. It was all gray. But grandma and grandpa were standing there and there was a group of people behind them. And that's when she turned to me and said that. And they were in a pool of light. And then instantly, the minute that dream ended, I was back holding that piece of cloth in the marketplace full in color. Mm, and I knew it was God that... This was from God and that this was not normal, not ordinary. And I went seven years, guys, wondering what is the meaning of that dream. And so I thought, of course, I was going to have this amazing child named Aviva and she's going to change the world into all these things. And you know what? As the years went by, we had one pregnancy, went to a heartbeat and seemed like it was going to carry on. And we lost that child. Mm. We never were able to have children. We went to IVF. That was not successful. And part of the heartbreak was not just that we weren't able to have children, but it was, who is Aviva? And so seven years later, I'm driving around, you know, seven years from the dream, I'm driving around saying, God, you gave me this dream. Why won't you answer me? I was so frustrated. I was so angry, wondering why my faith didn't have any power. I'd read the scripture, but nothing changed. And uh, so I, I think that, you know how they say in in the Bible, about 25, 30% of the Bible is prophecy. Mm -hmm. Probably the other two-thirds is Jewish people yelling at God. <laughs> <laughs> not so far from the truth. That's good. <laughs> that was me. And the day before I was saved was the day of that huge Chinese earthquake mm -hmm. where there was like this huge loss of life. And we had just had um, Southeast Asia with 250,000 people, I think it was, who died in, in the tsunami. And we had had... Katrina and all these things. And I started remembering from back in Moody, the scriptures that said, in, you know, where Jesus said that when we got close to the end, there would be more and more wars and rumors of wars and mm -hmm. earthquakes and famines and pestilence. Mm -hmm. Yes, and more and more loss of life. It would be like birth pangs so that they would be more intense. They would be closer together and they would be um, more and more powerful. We're going to hear about that tomorrow, by the way. Oh, oh. <laughs> glad I could Good. say And so... And then I started seeing stuff about the RFID chips, and they were saying that they were, they were making them so that they could actually be put in somebody's palm or in the forehead. And I thought, wait a minute, that's Revelation chapter 13. And one after one, I started seeing that everything that Jesus had said is true. Mm -hmm. It's all true. And after about two, or two and a half hours of looking at these things, I just stopped and I said to the Lord, it's all true. It's all true. You really exist. And the Bible is true, accurate. I can put my faith in it. And Jesus is who he says he is. Mm. Great. That and, is a great and story. And then there was the most incredible sense of peace and power and light. Mm. And it, the reason why I didn't ask for forgiveness and all that is because I thought I had 
already done that. I didn't realize this was a salvation experience. I thought it was like a reawakening. But after this, everything changed. And within a few weeks, I did something I never had the courage to do before. Start giving away my faith, telling my testimony, giving the gospel. That's amazing. And I remember one final thing when someone said to me, they said, Aviva, you're glowing. And I said, what? You're glowing. And I said, what do you mean? They said, you're physically glowing. Oh, well, I just gave my testimony to somebody. <laughs> and I just thought about how it's not us. It's yeah, not. It's that's the right. Holy Spirit. You're he's like so, you're like Moses coming down from the mountain, yeah, you know? He's so light. He's, but my faith had never been more light in the, when things are that dark. Aviva, that, I want to thank you so yeah. much for sharing. Everyone, give it up for Aviva for sharing her testimony. Thank you so thank much, you, Aviva. So that much. was great. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, Steve, we have uh, a few moments left. We only have a few moments. And so here's the deal. We have, I want to do two news items, Steve. Right. The first one you sent me, I want you to share about because this is, it's pretty funny, and it comes right from where we live, Philadelphia. That's right. Here, uh, here's the headline. Emotional, and this comes from the Jerusalem Post. That's the reason that we, we chose the this. The Jerusalem Post, and it's the, the news item is actually taking place in Philadelphia. And here's the headline. Emotional support alligator expelled from baseball game. This is Pennsylvania. <laughs> this isn't Florida, people, I'm okay? Man, wa- the alligator's name is Wally. He's five foot feet long. And a man took Wally to the Phillies baseball game and he was turned away. And he was very upset because Wally is his uh, emotional support animal. <laughs> so, so and Chris, I saw this. First of all, it was in the news, and you, I think it made USA Today. But this morning, I saw it in the Jerusalem Post. <laughs> That's so funny. So, Wally the alligator... <laughs> And I made it in the Jerusalem. I haven't made it. Alligator, you haven't made it. And but alligators Wally are made it. And alligators are unkosher, I think, right? I mean, come on. They <laughs> made it in the Jerusalem Post. Anyway, that's that's a that's a funny one. All right, Steve. Here's a more serious one. Uh, this is a big deal, actually. Uh, the, uh, recently on Fox News, um, Brett Baer did an interview with uh, with MBS, the leader of the the uh, Saudi uh, Crown Prince, and also Benjamin Netanyahu to talk about. Uh, the potential for peace um, between the Saudis and the Israelis. And the the real big question is this. Can the Saudis and the Israelis make a deal? And here's the big issue, Steve. Here's kind of the the elephant in the room is the uh, it's the Palestinians, because uh, the Saudis are pressing that the Israel needs to uh, uh, basically move forward with a two state solution. But the big problem with this, Steve, is that the Israeli government do you think it will lend itself to a two-state solution as it sits right now, the Israeli government? Never, never. Two-state solution is not going to work. We've known that at Friends of Israel's when people thought it would work. Yep. Way back in 1993 when Yasser Arafat shook hands with uh, Yitzhak Rabin. Uh, and the whole world was saying, this is, this is going to happen. Uh, we knew it wasn't going to happen. Why? We just talked about it. Yasser Arafat was a shyster. He was a shyster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's as blunt as I can be, because while he was saying he agreed to all the things they negotiated, he went, uh, when he had to speak his own language to his own people, and disavowed all of it. He lied. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, unless the Palestinians are willing to first recognize the Jewish state and allow those Jewish people to live there, uh, with 
security borders, there won't be a two-state solution. And the fact is, if you just look at their little insignias, there is no Israel on those insignias, Chris. Those, that, that is the whole Israel. From the river, river to the sea, mm-hmm. uh, the Palestinians regard the whole country. They, don't want, they want the land that we call Israel to be Jewless. That's right. And so there won't be a two-state I mean, when you're solution. driving in a tour bus and we go to Bethlehem, it literally says no Israelis are allowed in here. And it even says your life is on the line if you come into this Palestinian territory. It's sad, but Saudis are willing to talk. Yeah, no, this is a big deal. It is a huge deal. And uh, this one writer from, uh, from, actually it's a Reuters piece, but posted, reposted by Jerusalem Post said that the regional sources say that the Saudis will proceed with the normalization re- relations with Israel regardless of of Palestinian opposition. You know, the Palestinians have cornered themselves because when the Abraham Accords were signed in 2020, in December of 2020, uh, it was done without the Palestinians. The Palestinians were left out and peace was made between Israel and the UAE, Bahrain, Oman, uh, Morocco, I think has come And by the way, there was a calmness in Israel between the Palestinians and Israel during this They thought there would be a big war. Yeah. yeah very nothing. calm. It's very interesting. It was counterintuitive to everybody. But Well, the, the Palestinians felt as though they had been slighted by their own. And so who did they turn to? Well, they left those people and they turned to the Iranians, which is an interesting thing because now they take money from the Iranians. And the Saudis will have a problem with that as well because the Saudis and the Iranians, uh, they have a peace deal now, but they don't get along. So if they've kind of cornered themselves because now no longer is the Palestinian-Israeli peace uh, initiative or two-state solution a major push for, uh, for Middle East peace anymore. They've kind, of, they've kind of made themselves irrelevant over time. It's a, I'll tell you this, it's a gain a few inches, lose a few inches as it relates to negotiations that go on. Who's the president? Uh, who's uh, the prime minister? Uh, and God, I, I think God has demonstrated, it's, it's been funny, when o, President Obama was president, Netanyahu was in office. When um, uh, the more liberal Bennett was in office, Trump was the president. So God has a way, until he, he accomplishes his purpose, he kind of plays chess with the, with the government. 100%. Well, Steve, we have our Yiddish word of the day. And... Hey, I know you're going to clap for this one. I know you are, because what time is it, Chris? It is 9.45. We've, these are dedicated people. Aye, these are dedicated people. The Yiddish word for the day is schluffy. Schluffy. You know what schluffy is? Does anybody out there know what schluffy is? I'll give you a hint. Go to sleep. <laughs> Go Schluffy! That's what we're telling you. Yiddish word of the day. Yiddish word of the day is Schluffy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. Thanks for joining us and staying up so late. Uh, Listen, for our listeners that are listening right now, uh, you can go to foiequip.org, and there you can sign up and be a part of everything that we're doing here at Friends of Israel, from all of our classes online, our training online, even your uh, ability to encounter the Jewish community. Uh, Great ways to connect with the Friends of Israel. I encourage you to go to foiequip.org. Thank you folks for coming. Thank you to our uh, our special guests. Everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
when I got out of the, the Marines, I decided to go back to Moody again. I'm like, I know what I want to do now. I went back as a music major. Really glad I went back because I met my wonderful husband, David. Nice. You know, Give David a hand. <laughs> there you yeah. go. He married a Marine. I'm a- <laughs> he's, he's a fine old English gentleman who was born in England and grew up in Africa and came to Moody. And uh, yeah, he's, he's been just a joy of my life. So were your parents believers already then? 